0: Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,040. This week on Cars Yeah, we're celebrating all week long the women of racing. Buckle up.
1: I was that person that was scared to take risks, especially when I started driving.
0: Hey, Aurora, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? That I am. There you go. Aurora Strauss is a race car driver who competes in the number 36 Richard Mille BMW M4 in the Pirelli World Challenge. And today, she's leading in the championship points with six races left in the season. Awesome. She is currently the only female teenage race car driver competing professionally in North America. Her racing started at 15 years old when she competed in the International Trophy Cup and Skip Barber Series Racing Porsche Caymans and Mazda MX-5s. Along with a passion for racing, Aurora enjoys studying, singing, and playing the piano and guitar. Aurora has been accepted to Harvard University's Class of 2022, congratulations for that, and plans to pursue degrees in both Mechanical Engineering and English Literature. And she'll keep racing too, so don't worry about that. So, Aurora, I've told our listeners just a little tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little more about your racing and your passion for automobiles?
1: Yeah, thank you for the flattering introduction. <laughs> so, You're welcome. Um, You're welcome. So, like you said, I'm running a full season this year in 2018 in the Sprintax GTS class. Um, I'm in a Richard Neal BMW M4 GT4 in Trolley Road Challenge. We are first in the championship right now in my rookie year in the season, in the series, which is really exciting for me. It's actually only my second full season in a professional series. In 2017, I competed full time in the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge in the number 18 Modspace RS1 Porsche Cayman. But before that, I actually don't have that much experience. I first got behind the wheel when I was 13 years old. I knew immediately I had the bug, so to speak. Everyone has their story of how they got involved in racing. That was mine. But nobody in my family really expected me to race or, or was super prepared for it. So I spent some time testing. And then thanks to the support of Mod Space Motorsports, I entered my first semi professional race in two thousand fifteen. So after two partial seasons of that, I, I ended up in the Continental Tire Series last year and I have never looked back.
0: Most definitely, most definitely. Well, you're you're a very busy young woman, very impressive, and we're gonna learn a lot more about you as we continue through this journey of your life. But first I always like to ask my guests for a Success quote or a mantra, some kind of saying that has great meaning for you. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah. So, Aurora, take the wheel.
1: Yeah, sounds great. Um, if I had to give a success mantra for myself recently, I would say, you know, do one, one thing every day that scares you. I'm pretty sure Eleanor Roosevelt said that. Um, but I have definitely been very scared <laughs> in a good way with the amount of momentum I've developed in my career in the last couple months. And part of the reason I took some time off from Harvard is I knew I'd reached a critical point in my career where I could go to school um, kind of at the risk of hurting my racing career. I could take one year off and continue to develop it and take that risk. Um, that was one of the scariest things I've ever done, just because going to school is easier than, you know, kind of the unknown beyond just of not being in school. Um, but it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. And I still try to do one thing every day that... I would never have anticipated a couple months
0: ago. You know, this is a tremendous quote. I love that quote. And this is the area in life where we all learn things. So for someone out there that might be a little more timid, which a lot of people are, and a lot of people are are afraid of being afraid or putting themselves in that seat of fear. What's maybe a word of wisdom you might offer them that might allow them a little inspiration to actually put themselves out there and, and, and scare themselves a little bit?
1: Yeah, I, I think that the, um, do one thing every day that scares you sounds a little bit more intimidating than I meant for it to be. But I will say I, I was that person that was scared to take risks, especially when I started driving. When I was in, you know, seventh, or eighth grade, the first time I got behind the wheel, I was a huge scaredy cat. I mean, I was in middle school track and I was actually too scared to jump over hurdles. I was that scared of, of everything. I never would have pegged myself as someone to be a race car driver until I tried it. So it kind of goes to show that you, you never know what you're capable of until you put yourself out there, um, even if it's scary. And I guess a slightly easier word of wisdom is um, never, never, never give up. I actually had my manager, Nick Long, you say that to me a couple months ago while I was on the radio during a race, and it really stuck with me. I think that racing, along with a lot of other things in life, tend to have a lot more lows than highs, and sometimes you have to... Remember that it's, it's worth pushing through to get to of the good stuff. So.
0: Absolutely. I've, I've had several hundred racers as guests on the show, and that is a mantra that every single one of them quotes, is you never, ever give up. And uh, that's because uh, you never know what might happen. I just finished re-listening to Garstein's The Art of Racing in the Rain book this weekend while I was working out in the yard. And, and he mentioned that in the book as well. If you've read the book, it's a wonderful book told in the eyes of a dog. Uh, which is fantastic. Kind of sad. My neighbor was wondering why I had tears in my eyes while I was digging up (laughs) weeds in my yard. But uh, yeah, never, ever give up. It works in life as well. Well, let's go back in time. You shared a little tidbit here of the first time you jumped in a car. You were pretty young. I mean, 13. And then to start racing at a young age as well, is there a pivotal moment in your life when you knew that you were indeed a car gal?
1: Yeah. If I had just hidden down that pivotal moment, that pistol point in my racing career, I would say it was at that point when I first got behind the wheel when I was 13. So I first got started because of my dad. He was a big gearhead, but the two of us never expected me to want to race. He's done some racing in his time. So I, I don't necessarily come from a racing family, but I was encouraged to get involved. We wanted me to learn some basic car control skills before I got my permit. Just because I, I've grown up in New York and you never know when a deer is going to jump out or when you're going to hit some bad weather. And we are a commuting family. I still live an hour and a half, or really an hour or so from um, my high school and my dad's an hour and a half from his work. So we do a lot of driving and I I wanted to have that muscle memory in case I ended up in the wrong circumstance. I got behind the wheel and I went over 100 miles an hour and I fell in love. So, so that was my pivotal moment. Um, the rest <laughs> is history. It's everyone in the racing paddock has a story of when they first got that racing bug and that's mine. And it's a slippery slope. So so once you fall into the rabbit hole, you can't come
0: back. Oh, no doubt. Absolutely. Well, your father's a very wise guy, wise guy. I shouldn't call him a wise guy, a wise man. I should say that Uh, to put you behind the wheel and give you some seat time. So you can have that. I like that muscle memory comment too. That's a great one uh, for all the commuting you have to do, especially in New York where the weather can get scary. Well, let's take a look at some of the roads you've driven down because you've chosen uh, racing as part of your life. Obviously, studies are an important part. I know you're a musician. That's important as well. But as far as the racing goes, let's talk about a big challenge or a big failure that you face because racing is definitely a roller coaster ride of ups and downs, highs and lows. No doubt at one minute you're in the top and the next minute you're out of the race. So tell us about one of yours that really kind of pushed you to your limits and. Tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum moving forward.
1: Yeah, I think that um, every racer has a whole number of challenges and failures that they've had to face. And hopefully um, they make you a better racer because if they don't, then you're not using them to your full advantage. So I'd say the biggest failure I've ever faced, the biggest challenge I've ever faced was actually at the very, very, very start of my racing career. I was 14 and I had just had a conversation with my dad a couple of weeks beforehand about whether or not I really wanted to do this. And up until that point, I had been behind the wheel before, but it was all extremely casual. Uh, I learned how to drive in a Mazda Miata. We were talking about getting into different types of cars just to see what happened. And I knew that I was really excited about this. So he enrolled me in a Skip Barber racing school. I was the slowest out of 30 students, which takes a major talent to be that slow.
0: <laughs>
1: and it was the first time I had ever really been out on track with other racers. And it was a huge shock for me just because up until that point, I, I had never fallen in love with something that didn't come naturally to me. I'd always mm-hmm. loved school. I'd always loved music, um, but I never necessarily had to work for either one of them. It was a passion that that came to me instead sort of my having to go to it. And racing was, I, I realized slowly that it would take, you know, triple the amount of work to get good at racing as it would for me to ever be good at anything else. And I, looking back, I think that that's true of almost every single racer, that you have to go through that period of just not quite knowing what you're doing and just taking any advice that you can get. But being that slow and, and having to learn how to face that adversity was a real challenge for me when I was younger. And I had an instructor at the racing school offer to kind of give me some extra help after the end of the normal day. And I went out on track with him. And when I came back in, he said, you know, after, after being in the car, I'd be with you for five minutes. I think that I'm just not sure if you have it. And it might not be your fault. It might just be that you're a girl and that you're young. But the reality is you might not have the bug. You might not have the natural talent, and that's okay. But you need to really think deeply about whether or not this is something that you're right for. It was the first time that I had been told I couldn't do something by virtue of my gender or my age. And I'm lucky enough to have grown up in a family where I've never been told that I couldn't do something. I've always been encouraged to do whatever I want and be whatever I want to be. You know, I've had really progressive, excited parents who want me to get actively involved in things that challenge me. I was, you know, face to face with an instructor that essentially just told me I couldn't do something that I had almost no experience in just because it didn't seem like I had natural skill. Looking back, that was one of the best things that, I think that has ever happened to me because I think without him, I wouldn't have had to learn how to face people who would say things like that. And I had to develop a pretty thick skin. And a lot, and and, you know, my parents and some of my instructors kind of came back to me and said, like, if you can't handle this, then maybe you aren't cut out for it. And that's okay. But you're going to get comments like that. And you can either let them bounce off of you or you can let them get you. And learning how to deflect things like that, or, or not even deflect them as much as, um, take them and and channel that energy into productivity and using it for good has been really, really good for me as a racing, as a racer.
0: Great, great story. Great lessons for sure. Yeah. When somebody tells you you can't do something and you've got the character that you have Aurora, that's a challenge. The gauntlet's down. Don't let me, don't tell me that I I could do this. So (laughs) ah, awesome. I love it. I love it. Great attitude about it too. Absolutely. Great parenting, obviously. Let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment. It's one of those times when the headlights kind of illuminate the right path for you. Tell us about one of yours.
1: Sure. I'm trying to think. Okay. um uh, moment when the light came on. I, I think that I had a big light come on for me, so to
0: speak, towards the end of
1: last year. I had a pretty successful season in 2017, but we were struggling with the car a little bit. Just some some normal set of gremlins that every racer will tell you, you have good years and you have bad years. That just happened to be a little bit of a down year for me. My aha moment was actually when I started testing cars towards the end of last year when I was preparing for the 2018 season. I got into the BMW M4 GT4 for the first time, and my manager, Nick Long, and I were talking about whether or not I really wanted to do this. And I went out and I went significantly faster than I thought I was going to, mostly just because I I'd spent so much time struggling with some, some tricky car, you know, some tricky mechanical issues that I hadn't realized how much I had learned in the last couple of years behind the wheel. So that was the biggest recent aha moment in, in terms of pure racing. But the biggest moment that I've had in the last couple of months has been doing much better sponsorship wise. I think I had started learning how to market myself a little bit better. I've realized the value of working with companies that struggle to market successfully to women. You know, there's... I, I am as equal as anyone else out on track. The car doesn't know the difference. That being said, I, I come with a very specific marketing advantage because I'm a woman. And I also come with some weight on my shoulders because I'm a woman. And you know I have a responsibility to be a role model to others. And I, I want to use that to be the best role model I can be. So I've started working with companies who are on board with my vision of reaching out to younger girls i have shifted a lot of sponsorship proposals from being generally exposure-based to very pinpointed breakdowns of the demographics that, you know, come to my race, um, the types of demographics that I reach. You know, for example, I have a surprising number of women that are following my racing career, even though they tend not to follow racing as a whole. So it's gotten progressively easier for me to figure out how much added value I can bring to markets that sponsors are struggling with. And I think that that, combined with developing my skills behind the wheel in the last few months, has really transformed me as a racer and as a potential partner.
0: Yeah, this is a great story. I had Lynn St. James as a guest on the show, and she talked about this back when she was racing, when things were very different for women. Definitely not in the place they are today and the challenges she had with that. But with that uniqueness came Advantage. Because, yeah, there's a whole other market out there. And I love the fact that you've got women following you that knows, don't necessarily follow racing, but they have an interest in a woman and a race car. And that opens all sorts of opportunities for your advertisers and sponsors as well. So very nicely done. Well, let's have a little bit of fun and go back in time. Now, you're a young woman, so you haven't had a whole lot of time in life to have a lot of different cars. But is there one really first car that was special to you? And that could include race cars.
1: Hmm. I'm trying to think. Actually, like you said, I'm very young. So my first really special car wasn't an actual car. It was a little takes cozy coupe. I have a bunch of photos of you when I was little in it. And fun fact that I think it outsold every other car in the U.S. in the late 2000s. So best selling uh had no engine in it. I used to refer to my little cozy coupe as road beep. So my first word was beep because I couldn't pronounce the word car. And I used to ask for rides in my beep. So I I'd, I'd drive around the house in it. And I guess that was indication number one that
0: I would end up in a race car. Yeah, just a little bit. Now, that's <laughs> a unique answer to that question. I don't think I've ever had anybody answer that question that way. Uh, they've been some unique cars, but uh, not something like that. Yeah, fantastic. Well, is there a vehicle you've had that you've let go or maybe a race car that you switched out of that you really wish you had back or could drive some more?
1: For sure. Um, I don't know if I've ever really sold a vehicle that I wish I could have back in my garage, because like you said, I'm, I'm a little young for that. But one of the first cars that I ever raced was an NC Mazda MX-5. So while I, I didn't own the car that I was racing, I actually really miss it. Um, I had a lot of really important moments in that car. It was my first ever green flag. It was some of my first passes in a semi-professional race. I was in that car for really my first like scary car control moment. It was really the car that I learned to race craft in. I was in it for really three-plus years because it was the car that I learned to drive in, and it was the car that I ended up racing in, and the battery tender Mazda MX-5 Cup. So if I had a chance to get back in that car and race it in the Mazda MX-5 Cup for one more race, I, I think I'd have a lot to reminisce about.
0: Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Well, let's talk about today and tomorrow and looking into the future. As I mentioned in the beginning, you're running the number 36 BMW M4, the Richard Emilé car in the Pirelli World Challenge. Tell our listeners a little bit more about the Pirelli World Challenge, this new BMW that you've been driving, what your impressions are of that car, and what has you excited and fired up this racing season?
1: Yes, so like I said, this is my first season in Pirelli World Challenge. I couldn't be more excited to be with the series. It is some of the closest wheel-to-wheel racing that I have ever experienced, period, in a good way. And it's also my first year in the BMW M4. And our shared meal BMW is for sure one of the most balanced competitive cars out there. My first impression of it, the first time I drove it a couple months ago, was just like, this is one of the easiest cars to drive ever. It has the perfect combination of agility and power to me. It's one of the best, most well-rounded cars in World Challenge. You know, that's anyone can admit that. It's been super competitive so far in the season. I think it will continue to be for the rest of the year. And part of that is due to the continued support of BMW customer racing in the series. And a lot of that is due to, you know, everyone, everyone knew that the BMW was going to be a good car this year. So there are some really good racers lined up. You know, World Challenge, for sure, has its challenges laid out for me for the rest of the year. It's, like I said, it's close to the racing, and there's some really good pro racers that I'm competing against. So it's not going to be easy to continue my points league in the championship, but I'm feeling pretty good about the rest of the year.
0: Oh, no doubt. What are some of the places that you guys race at?
1: Our first race was at Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas. That was a great weekend for me. I finished first and second in my kind of debut weekend in PwC. And then our last race was, I think, two weekends ago now at Virginia International Raceway. And that was where I secured the points lead. I was tied for first in the championship after Coda, And then we had a deciding race win in the second race of the weekend at CIR. And a lot of that is due to the prowess of my co-driver, John Miller. He's going to be with me for the rest of the year. And he is a monster behind the wheel of that car in a good way. And our next race is at Lime Rock at the end of the month. So... That is kind of the closest we're going to get to a home track for me, it's about an hour and a half away from home. I don't actually have that much seat time there. You know, the, the downside of my being a little bit less experienced and a little younger than some other racers out there is I don't always have as much seat time at each of these tracks, but I'm really looking forward to being back there. I'm looking forward to actually being able to sleep in my own bed on a race weekend. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. I
0: am,
1: yep, and I'm hosting dozens of Girl Scouts at Lime Rock, just like I have been the last couple of weekends in World Challenge. And it's through what I'm calling the Girls With Drive Educational Initiative. So Pirelli World Challenge partnered with my sponsors are clumping tickets for any Girl Scout chaperones or friends of Girl Scouts that want to come. And they get to come watch my race and then they usually stay to travel for about five hours for an educational program about, you know, the STEM and engineering um, and physics behind my race car, the engineering behind all of the Pirelli tires. They get behind the scenes tour of race control. They get a tour of the you know, local Pirelli tire factory that travels to each one of the races. So they get to see more than any other fan would get to see through the Girls with Drive program. And I'm also excited to have some of my local Girl Scouts, you know, people that I actually know coming to Lyra.
0: Wow. Well, this is very exciting. What a wonderful program that you guys are, are a part of to uh, inspire young women to perhaps get into racing or or get into mechanics or engineering, mathematics, whatever it might be. I think it's absolutely fantastic. So, it sounds like a wonderful year. Best wishes for you as you move forward for a very fast, safe drive. Here's a very introspective question for you, Aurora. Kind of tells our listeners a little bit about how you perceive yourself. If you were a vehicle, what would Aurora be, and why? Oh, I feel
1: like I can't. I can't answer this one. It's a little too cozy.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe you're a little bit. Past that.
1: <laughs> a little bit faster than the Suzuki, but I would hope so by now. Otherwise, we'd have a problem. Yeah. So if I were a car, let's see, I actually think I'd be a BMW M2. They're a little smaller than the M4 GT4 that I'm racing this year, but in a good way. In a lot of ways, um they're great on the track and on the street. They're super agile and well-rounded. And the M2 is also much powerful. It's much more powerful than it sometimes looks. So. I like to think that even though I'm a little bit smaller and younger than some of the other racers at the track, I definitely have just as much fight. You know, I've proven that so far this year in the M4, so that I'm a little smaller than the M4. I don't know if I could actually describe myself as the M4. That thing is (laughs) pretty heavy, so.
0: Yeah, yeah. Bigger car. Very cool. Well, I love the M cars. My listeners know I'm a huge BMW M fan. I've had four M3s. Over the course of the years, that's my daily driver now. Um, haven't had the pleasure of driving an M4, much less a GT car, of course. Not like you, but uh they make fantastic cars. I love them. They're great on the street and the track. So uh go BMW M-Class. Very cool. Well, Aurora, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Hey, this is Mark Green. You know, I've been using Covercraft covers to protect my cars and motorcycles. Since I was in high school, that was way back in 1975. This month, I'm offering you as a CarShop yeah listener a very special deal. Starting April 16th, 2018 through April 30th, 2018, you'll receive 10% off all NOAA fabric custom car covers and 10% off all Wolf ready fit semi custom covers. Simply use the code CarShop yeah on checkout at covercraft.com. No is the most popular outdoor fabric specially made by Kimberly Clark to protect your special vehicle. It provides maximum protection from the harmful UV rays of the sun, rain, dust, those nasty bird droppings, snow, dings, and it's breathable, and it's very soft on your paint. Wolf Ready Fit Semi Custom Covers are an economical option and provide indoor and outdoor protection for your special car. Simply go to Covercraft.com and order the style and color you like best, and boom, you're set. You'll thank me later, and your car will thank me too. That's Covercraft.com, and be sure to use the code CARSYA at checkout. That's Covercraft.com. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. All right, Aurora, we're back and we're entering the last lap. You've been in this position before. The white flag's out. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Sounds good. Here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received?
1: Best advice I've ever received in the motorsports industry is from Nick Long. You have said his name a couple times now, but he, he will continue to keep coming up because he's endlessly involved in everything I do. Um, A couple months ago, he told me to never, never, never give up. I had a tough season last year, but one of the best things I learned in the car last year is if you just keep trucking, no matter how much adversity you're dealing with, you'll actually end up in the top 10 if you just keep pushing.
0: Keep pushing. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes?
1: I think uh, one of the biggest personal habits that has contributed to my success is that I am very ambitious about my racing, sometimes to a fault. I am always looking to do more behind the wheel. I'm looking to improve. I'm looking to continue developing our relationship with current sponsors. I'm looking to find new sponsors. I was talking about Girls of Tribe. And like I said, racing is cool, but I want to be more ambitious than that. I don't want to just race. I want to genuinely make a difference in the lives of as many girls as I can.
0: Very nice. Now, how about a resource? There are lots of great resources these days. Is there one you'd like to share with the Cars yeah audience?
1: Um, I'm trying to think. A resource that I would share with all of your listeners is actually if. If there are any women listening to Cars Yeah right now and they want to contact me, um, I make a point of responding to as many people as I possibly can if they contact me via the contact form on my website, on my Instagram or Facebook pages, or any other social media. I want to be able to reach as many girls and as many women as possible. If you reach out to me, I will respond.
0: Very nicely. And she does, too. That's how we ended up talking on this show today. (laughs) If I could arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive field... Living or deceased, who would that person be? I
1: can have a drink with anyone. I don't know if it's a weird answer or not. I think it would actually be Danica Patrick. I think that she gets a little more heat than she sometimes deserves. And regardless of what you think of her and the industry and the personality she's developed, she has been one of the biggest mavericks in the sport for women. And she has paved the way in the industry for girls like me to get involved. And I think if it wasn't for her, there would be significantly fewer women kind of on the rise in NASCAR than there are right now. And I'd love to kind of just pick her brain about what her story was and how different it was for her in stock car racing versus sports car racing.
0: Oh, absolutely. I would love to get her as a guest on this show. One of these days, I'm going to get that scheduled. And when I do, I'm going to let her know, hey, Danica, Aurora wants to talk to you. So (laughs) we'll see if we can put you two together. That would be fantastic. Now, how about a book? Is there a book you've read that you think our listeners would enjoy reading as well?
1: So you actually mentioned it earlier, but if I could recommend any racing-related book, it would be The Art of Racing in the Rain. Yeah. It follows the story of kind of a race car driver, aspiring race car driver, so to speak, and his dog Enzo. I love dogs, so it was an easy sell for me. But it also describes really well the the fear, the excitement, and the precision required in racing, especially in the wet. And it has an amazing storyline to boot about you know family dynamics and balancing family with racing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Garth was a guest of mine. I got to meet him up in Seattle at a book signing and convinced him to come on the show because I said, you know what, Garth? I ask every guest for a book recommendation, and yours is the top recommended book among automotive enthusiasts. I think when you get automotive enthusiasts and dogs together, and like you said, the dynamics of people and family, uh, it's a win-win. And I understand that uh, there may be a movie finally coming out, about that book as well. So we'll all cross our fingers that that's going to really happen. It's a fantastic book. And like I said, I listened to it again this weekend with some tears in my eyes. You can't help but have a a tissue in hand when you read that book. It's fantastic. Well, listeners, I'll remind you, you can find links to all these great resources that Aurora has been so kind to share on her Cars show notes page. Just go to CarsYeah.com, type in Aurora Strauss, A-U-R-O-R-A, so a spelling of her first name, and that page will pop right up. All right, Aurora, we're up to the checkered flag, a place you've been many, many times. And this last question, well, it can be a bit of a doozy. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector car, cool car you can park in your garage, drive every day on the street or the track. Money is no object, but you can't sell it to buy another race car. You got to (laughs) keep it and you got to drive it. I want you to enjoy this thing. So what's that car going to be and why?
1: See, if I had to have any car for the rest of my life, um, I think I'd keep a BMW E twenty six M one. It is widely considered by almost everyone I know as one of the best BMWs ever made. And and don't quote me on this, but I think it was originally designed with Lamborghini as a partner, right? But they eventually finished developing it themselves and it's one of the best sports cars from the 70s and 80s. And its closest successor day is the i8, which I also definitely wouldn't mind having in my garage.
0: Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You've picked a pretty special car. And, of course, DeGiario was the designer of that car. And you're right. It was uh, manufactured in conjunction with Lamborghini. They kind of put a little deal together and came up with the M1. And, yeah, it's a really cool car. I have a good friend here in the Pacific Northwest, Eddie, who used to have one. It was his father's car and then his car. and. He let that car go. I'm sure he's probably never forgiven himself for the, over the years, but he's had some cool cars and he's a he's a track instructor too, so he likes to go fast just like you and I. But uh, yeah, the M1 is such a unique and cool car. Uh, yeah, love to get you one of those. What color would you like? Um,
1: this is a weird color to want a race car to be, but I'd probably make it bright yellow. <laughs> the first MC car that I ever drove was kind of banana yellow. Um, yeah. And I think it, it helps you take the car a little bit less seriously or remind you what the point of it is to have fun. And it's just a happy color. Not every race car has to look, you know, intimidating.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, Eddie's smiling right now because he's got a GT4, uh, rather new car he just purchased the Cayman, of course, that he loves to take on the track. And uh, that car is bright yellow. So, uh, yeah, yellow. You get smile when you walk up to a yellow car. Yeah, exactly. Very, very cool. <laughs> Nicely done. Can't wait to deliver that car to you. I, I might have to drive it all the way from the Pacific Northwest over to New York. I hope that's okay.
1: Well, I, I think road tripping in that car wouldn't be the worst thing in the world either. So,
0: No, I don't think so either. I pl- promise to clean all the bugs off the front. Aurora, mm-hmm. uh, you've taken us on a great ride around the track today. I knew you would. Uh, you're such an inspiring young woman, and I've really enjoyed sharing your stories with Cars Yeah! audience. Could you offer us one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off down the track in that BMW M1?
1: Sure. I, I said this earlier, but if I could offer any piece of advice that will always be true for me in racing and I think will be true for every other racer, it's the never give up aspect of racing. No matter what you do, you always run the risk of having mechanical issues. And I think racing is more of a team sport than anyone ever wants to acknowledge. You know, behind a car is a whole crew of successful mechanics, data architects, engineers, team owners, drivers. And at the end of the day, everything has to really come together, and a lot of effort is put into every single one of the cars that are out there. My M4 is a good example. You know, I I recognize I'm a piece of the larger puzzle of that thing, and I could not have been at the front of the championship points right now without the help of everyone on my team at ST Racing. So it's it's good to remember that um, persistence is key in the racing world, and no matter what happens, I'm going to do my best, and I, I'm going to try to finish out 2018 with a championship.
0: Absolutely. Very nicely said. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and follow along with your racing career?
1: Yep. Best way to follow me is via social media. I have a public Facebook page, um, public Instagram I need to create a Twitter, but I haven't done that yet. (laughs) But I post regular updates about my racing, where I'm going to be, how each day is going. When I'm at the track, I post pretty much hourly updates on my story and then an update at the end of the day. So you will always know what's going on with me. And if you're interested in coming to any of my races, like I said, I'll be at Rock at the end of the month. And then I'm going to Portland in mid-July, which is a track I've never been to before. Um, and a city I've never been to before, so I'm excited about that. And then I'm finishing at the season in Utah. So if anyone listening is local, you should come visit.
0: There you go. Well, the Portland racetrack, I've raced on that track. It's about two hours south of me. Maybe I'll come down and watch you run. That would be pretty cool. You're going to like that track. It's a really fun track, A very cool. Portland's a great city, of course, as well. So it's going to be a great place for you to have another victory. Listeners, you can find links to everything Aurora has shared today on her Cars show notes page. Just go to CarsYeah.com, type in Aurora Strauss or just Aurora. She's a unique only Aurora who's been a guest out of 1,040 plus people here on Cars So check it out and follow her career. Great fun this young woman is having. Thank you, Aurora, for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences on and off the track with me and the listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to talking to you soon.
0: You're welcome. Congratulations and uh, safe driving. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Member FINRA Sipic. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up!